Welcome to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. Tonight I wanted to take time because... One of the things that you'll find when you get into fasting and prayer, and the more people you talk to about prayer uh, and fasting, it's it's actually funny how many people uh, disagree with fasting and prayer. Somebody recently asked me, uh, they they found out that I wasn't eating uh, (laughs) or or having anything for for 21 days like we're doing together. And they just kind of looked at me with wide eyes and they're like, you don't die when that happens? You don't die when that happens? Like, no, you don't die. You don't die. Your body can actually go for quite quite a while without food, but um, you definitely don't die. But um, it's it's funny that there's a lot of people that not only do they not believe in fasting, but when you talk about prayer, um, they just kind of think as, of prayer as a whole. You know, like prayer is just, you know, there's just prayer, but there's more than just one type of prayer. And um, that's what this broadcast is going to be about tonight. I'm going to show you and break down from scripture eight crucial types of prayer that you need to be praying in your your Christian life. These are all, uh, they operate differently. They operate separately and they're not the same. And I'll tell you, you're right, Danielle. Danielle said, it's amazing how controlled people are by their stomachs. It's absolutely true. Um, But you got to take authority over the flesh. Great to see everybody, by the way, tonight. Um, hey, Ashley, Rolf is watching from South Africa. Tim Dearman, love you, man. Danielle, Alicia, everybody. I see Ted Melton, too. Uh, everybody that's, uh, as you're on and you're coming on, uh, just share the broadcast as you normally do. Let's get this word out to people tonight. There's more than one type of prayer, and you use them in different circumstances, but they're all needed. They're all very needed. But one thing I will tell you is that as there are different types of prayer, One of the things that you're going to find is that some things that you pray in one type of prayer would be inappropriate to pray in a different type of prayer. And I'm going to show you that tonight. And it's important that you know that some of the ways that you would pray in some types of prayer that we'll be discussing would be inappropriate to pray that way in other types of prayer. And I'll break that down. I'm going to give you Uh, eight from the Bible, and I'll take you to the passages uh, where they're uh, talked about or listed. And then we'll talk, we'll break down. Why would you, uh, why would you use different types of prayer? Well, we're going to see that tonight and they're scriptural. Um, And so as we're focusing on even praying more than we ever have in 2023, we need to know how we're praying. We need to know what we're praying about. We need to know uh, how that type of prayer functions And then, of course, we're standing on the word through all of our prayer. No matter what we're praying, we stand on the word of God for our prayers. And that's where we get, of course, the prayer points. Our prayers are based upon the word of God. And so uh, we're going to jump into that tonight. So I want you to take notes, put it in the comments. Uh, If you're watching the replay, let us know you're watching on the replay. If you're listening on the podcast, take notes and stay with us on this. Um, This is going to help you a lot. And um, by the way, I want to hear your testimonies as they're taking place. So as you are uh, having God move in your life, you're seeing breakthroughs, as many already have. 
send them to us at miracleword.com forward slash testimony. Miracleword.com forward slash testimony. We want to hear it. We want to praise God with you and, uh, and give God praise. So look at this. Eight different types of prayer. Let's deal with the first one. Number one, this is the first prayer, I'm sure, that anyone ever prayed. Not only is it the first prayer you prayed, it is the only prayer that God will hear from a sinner. And that's the prayer of repentance. So number one is the prayer of repentance. Put it in the comments, put it in your notes. Uh, Romans chapter 10 uh, gives us what some call the Romans road to salvation, the 10th chapter. And Paul is explaining how salvation comes. It's a process, uh, how, how it happens. And um, this is what the Bible says. Uh, I'll start reading with uh, Romans 10, 13, but we're going to uh, read all the way through. Um, we'll read Romans 10, 13, 14, and, and 15. But listen to this. The Bible says, in fact, you know what? Let's back up and I'll read the whole passage because it's, it's so powerful. Well, let's go back to verse 8. We'll start with Romans 10, 8, and I'll read down to 15 from there. Listen. He said, but what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth, and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because, now here it is, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Hmm. Now look at this, for the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. And there's no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For and they're quoting scripture here, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now verse, verses 14 and 15, specifically 14, very important. How then will they call on him in whom they've not believed? And how are they to believe in him whom they've never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching, right? And how are they to preach unless they're sent? And as it's written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. So you see that process. Someone has to be sent, then they have to preach, then the people have to hear, and once they hear, they have to believe. But once they believe, what happens? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And then Paul tells us in the first chapter, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ for it is the power of God unto salvation. So when the gospel comes to someone, it gives them the faith to believe the gospel they just heard. And then the Bible says they can believe in their heart and confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead. And that first prayer that anyone prays is what? The prayer of repentance. Very important. In fact, if we jump all the way to 1 John chapter 1, you'll see, and, and this is written, by the way, to believers. This is written to believers. Uh, the Bible says in 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So 
it's possible even for believers to commit sin. We know that. The apostle wrote back to all the churches. Peter and Paul, John, they wrote back to the churches encouraging them not to sin. But what happens if you do sin? We can confess our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we call that the prayer of repentance. We call it the prayer of repentance. Like, you know, people say, well, did I lose my salvation if I committed a sin? Well, I don't believe that when you commit one sin, you've lost your salvation. But it'd be the same thing if you had uh, uh, some kind of a transgression against your wife or your husband. Let's say you uh, got into a fight with them or you uh, did something that really upset them. Well, you may not be divorced. One, one fight, one uh, you know, upsetting thing does not uh, end your marriage, but it puts you out of fellowship puts you out of fellowship. And so there's, what do you do? You come back and you apologize. You make things right. So you've been in the covenant, but now you're returning to fellowship. And that's what happens. Just because you may commit one sin, you make one mistake. It doesn't mean that your salvation came to an end, but you do need to restore fellowship and you repent of that sin, the Bible says. And so number one is the prayer of repentance. It's very important that we understand that um, I can tell you now it's more important than ever when I've seen so many churches who they don't even uh, touch those biblical things. They don't touch the fact that uh, you may even have somebody come forward. I've, I've been in altar calls that are so vague, people would never even know why they're coming to the altar. You know, you hear stuff like this, you know, if you're just tired of doing life alone, well, that's not salvation. That's not a call to salvation. The call to salvation is a call to repent of your sin, to turn from wickedness and to receive Christ as your savior and to confess that he's Lord and to believe that God raised him from the dead. And you hear so much nowadays that so, because they don't want to offend anybody. They don't want anybody to be uncomfortable. And so you hear such vague verbiage. You know, if you're just tired of doing life alone and you need a group of people to do life with, that's not salvation. That's not salvation. The Bible is very specific as to how we receive Jesus. So the prayer of repentance is vital. We have to do what Jesus said. We have to do what the Bible said. And so number one is the prayer of repentance. Number two, the second type of prayer that I think is so, so crucial in the life of any believer is the prayer of consecration. That's number two, the prayer of consecration. Go with me to Matthew chapter 26. And I'm going to read verses 39 through 42. Matthew 26, verses 39 through 42. This is actually Jesus praying the prayer of consecration. Our example, our master, it is Jesus. Love you, Isaac. It's Jesus praying the prayer of consecration. Uh, what is consecration, by the way? It is set, being set apart for a specific purpose. It's being set apart and made holy for a specific purpose. And so here's Jesus uh, praying the prayer of consecration in the book of Matthew, verses, chapter 26, verses 39 through 42. Let me read it to you. And he's in the garden of Gethsemane. You know the story. He's getting ready to uh, be delivered up to Pilate and then crucified. But look, um, verse 39 um, going in a little farther into the garden, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, what did he say? My father, 
If it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Now watch, he didn't want to be crucified. Who would? Your flesh does not want that cup of persecution. That Your flesh doesn't want that, that, uh, that crucifixion to take place. Absolutely not. Who wants to be tortured and killed for others when they committed the wrong and you were innocent? No flesh wants that. And he says, Lord, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. But then look at this. Yet, nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Not my will be done, your will be done. Not my will be done, your will be done. Now look at verse 40. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, so could you not watch with me one hour? Now look at verse 42. Again, for the second time, he went away and prayed, my father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. But let me read verse 41 because this is going to tell you why he's praying like this. Verse 41, he said, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. So let's, let's talk about this because I've never really broken this down on the broadcast before. This will be a first. But let's talk about this in the context of this passage. What's Jesus talking about? What's Jesus talking about? What was the specific temptation that he was facing to not uh, submit himself to his father's will, to go to the cross? What's he praying for? Strength to do what the father wanted to be done. Lord, if there's any way for this cup to pass from me, let it pass. Yet, not my will, but your will be done. And then he encourages the disciples, keep watching, keep praying so that you won't enter into temptation. What was he facing? Temptation to move away from the redemptive act that he was getting ready to perform. And the spirit is in the, his spirit wanted to, what's he saying? My spirit wants to do what pleases God, but my flesh is weak. My flesh is weak. That's true for every disciple of Christ. It's true for every disciple of Christ. That's why it's important even during the fast that you're spending time praying prayers of consecration. Lord, not my will, but your will be done. Lord, I need your strength to do what you want me to do, right? Lord, strengthen me, set me apart, give me the grace, give me the power, give me the strength to do what you want me to do. Not my will, but your will be done. I'll say yes, Lord, yes, to your will and to your way. I'll trust you and obey. When your spirit speaks to me with my whole heart, I'll agree. And my answer will be yes, Lord, yes. That's consecration. That's saying, Lord, uh, I'm not going to do what I feel like doing. I'm going to do what your word says to do. I'm going to do what your spirit led me to do. And a lot of times, and this is why fasting is so important, by the way, because the Bible tells us in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 17 that the flesh is constantly warring against the spirit. There's always going to be a fight between the flesh and the spirit. In fact, let's just prove it right now in the comments section. How many people uh, would love to just eat tonight and not wait until the end of the fast? In fact, put up a hand if that's you. You'd like to eat tonight. I'm not talking about those that are doing six to six, but if you've done, if you're doing 21 days straight 
and you're ready to eat right now, yes, stronger pink, it's live right now. If, you, if you're ready to eat right now, put a hand up in the comments section. You say like, I don't want to wait to the end. Well, that's, every, that's everybody, including this preacher that's talking to you on the live stream, <laughs> including me. What's my flesh saying? I want to eat. I want to eat. But guess what? What's my spirit saying? No, I want to get closer to the presence of God. I want to hear God's voice. I want to stay faithful to what I'm doing for the Lord, the vow that I've made to God. I want to stay faithful. I want to see God's plans come to pass in my life. I want to see God's divine intervention in America. I want to see the move of God sweep through this nation. I want to see churches catch on fire. I want to see my prayers answered. I want to see my ministry go to another level. I want to see my family blessed, right? So look at the two. Look at the two. My flesh is saying one thing, but my spirit is saying another thing. They're fighting against one another because they don't want the same things. My, my flesh say, let the nation fend for itself. Let's go get a cheeseburger, <laughs> right? But my spirit saying, no, press in. God's going to touch America. God's going to touch Canada. God's going to touch Europe. God's going to touch Asia. We're believing for breakthrough, believing for miracles. What does Jesus say? The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. The flesh does not want to do what the spirit wants to do. But what did Paul teach? Paul taught, I have to put this body under on a daily basis, on a daily basis. So your body, until the rapture happens or until you die and you're made new in the rapture, let me tell you, your body is going to be a, an enemy against your flesh. Your, your flesh, or excuse me, your flesh is going to be enemy against your spirit. They work against one another, right? They work against one another. So this is important, the prayer of consecration, giving God everything, saying, Lord, let me be strengthened to do what you want me to do, what you've called me to do. And Andrea, there's no reason to repent for breaking down to the 6 p.m. There's a lot of people doing the 6 to 6 fast. It's in the Bible. It's something we teach in the book. It's something that many believers are doing. You don't have to feel bad unless the Lord specifically told you, I want you to do the whole 21 days straight. But there's many that are doing six to six and giving up that time and praying and, and believing God for miracles in their lives and for their families. So I want you to get this. It's the prayer of consecration. That's the second crucial type of prayer that we must be praying every single day. Let's go to number three, the prayer of faith, the prayer of faith, hallelujah, the prayer of faith, believing God, standing in the gap for the supernatural. Let me uh, read to you James chapter five, verses 14 and 15. This is the, called the prayer of faith, believing God for miracles. You ready? And so James 5, 14 and 15 the Bible says, is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he's committed sins, he'll be forgiven. So there's a prayer of faith that breaks into the supernatural realm, the prayer of faith that breaks into the supernatural realm. The Bible says the prayers of a righteous man 
makes much power available. Get that in your spirit. The prayers of a righteous man or righteous woman makes much power available. So when you begin to pray, it makes power available as you pray. Things begin to happen as you pray. That's why Jesus said, whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe that you'll receive them and you shall have them. What's taking place? There's power that is made available to you when you pray in Jesus' name and based on the word of God. See that. And so I want, I want you to get in your spirit. The prayer of faith brings the miracles you're believing for into the natural realm. That's what the Bible teaches. The prayer of faith will do what in this passage? Save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. The person who's battling sickness, and we've seen it so many times, that they're healed by the power of the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Jesus. And what happens? Christ is responding to our faith and our prayers. He's responding to our faith and our prayers. Did you know that before Jesus left the earth, he said, listen, up until now, you've asked the Father nothing in my name, but when I leave, you'll ask the Father in my name, and whatever you ask him in my name, he'll do it for you. So, and then he goes on to say this, so ask and you shall receive that your joy may be full. So when we pray the prayer of faith in Jesus' name, ask God to do it. Uh, the Bible says not only will we receive, but it'll bring joy into our spirit when we receive our answers to prayer. Hallelujah. So the prayer of faith. There are people that are watching. You're praying the prayer of faith and believing for miracles, believing for breakthroughs. That's good. That's scriptural. Get a scripture to stand on if you're believing for the prayer of faith uh, and you're believing for breakthroughs. Don't just pray randomly. Get the word of God behind you and pray what the Bible says. Glory to God. Now look at this. Number, uh, that's number three. Number four. You ready? Number four. The prayer for not of, the prayer for direction. This is an important one for every believer. Prayer for direction. The prayer for direction. You know, one of the reasons I say this, if people would spend more time seeking the voice of the Holy Spirit, we're led by the Spirit. The Bible says in Romans chapter eight, that as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. One of the things that the Holy Spirit does, one of his jobs, is to lead us and guide us into all truth. And, and we all have the ability to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. So when we pray, one of the things we need to pray for is divine direction. I've been, our whole team's been praying for that during this time of fasting and prayer. What, how do we go about the next steps of what you've called us to do, Lord? Give us divine direction. That's the prayer for direction. That's Old and New Testament. Lord, what should we do? Where should we go? How should we do it? And I, I found it interesting that David, the man after God's own heart, he was even praying this type of prayer. If you'll go with me to 1 Samuel chapter 30, you'll see that David prayed this type of prayer. 1 Samuel 30, I'll read you verses uh, 1 through 8. When he came back where he, had, where he was in Ziklag, uh, raiders had come and burned it with fire, 
took all of their wives, took all of their children, everything they had, and carried them off, abducted them, abducted them. And so what did David do? Now you'd think, you'd think that if somebody abducted your wife and your children and your possessions, you'd think, especially if you were a king and a warrior, I'm going after them right now. I've got my army with me. I've got my army with me. I'm going right now. But David didn't do that, did he? In fact, they were all so upset at him, they were talking about killing him. And he said, no, I want you to bring me the ephod. What does that mean? The priestly garment. I'm getting ready to talk to the Lord. And that's where we come in in this story in 1 Samuel 30. And uh, the Bible says, he strengthened himself. This is verse six. He first strengthened himself in the Lord his God. And verse seven, and David said to Abiathar the priest, the son of Ahimelech, bring me the ephod. So Abiathar brought the ephod to David, verse eight, and David inquired of the Lord, shall I pursue after this band? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, God answered him, pursue, for you shall surely overtake and shall surely rescue. Glory to God. I mean, you'd think that was a no-brainer, not for David. He said, I'm not doing anything unless it's the Lord's will, his plan, and unless he goes with me. I'm not doing anything. Not even going to save my wife and children unless first the Lord tells me what's up. That is divine direction. It's divine direction. Lord, what should I do? Where should I go? How should I do it? I'm telling you, if more believers would pray and fast like this, where they inquired of the Lord, they asked God to give them direction. Do you know how there would be so much reduced heartbreak? There'd be so much reduced uh, issues of life. There's things that people would never have to go through, never have to struggle through, if they would have just asked the Lord ahead of time. He would have told them. It's funny, because when your flesh is stronger then your spirit man is. Say, so what do you mean by that? Well, there was an old Methodist minister by the name of F.F. F. Bosworth. He wrote a book called Christ the Healer. And one of the things that he said that I thought was very interesting, he said, most Christians give their spirit, no, excuse me, most Christians give their body three hot meals a day and they give their spirit one cold snack a week. Think about that quote for a second. Most Christians give their body three hot meals a day and they give their spirit one cold snack a week and wonder why they're so weak in faith. It's because you've got to feed your spirit the way that you feed your body. You've got to feed yourself the word of God. See, and one of the things that happens is that people, their, their body gets so much stronger than their spirit that they don't clearly hear the voice of the Lord. They become carnally strong instead of spiritually strong. Get that? They become carnally strong instead of spiritually strong. And what ends up happening to people is that they, 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 they can't hear the voice of the Lord clearly. So even when they go to make a decision, when they go to make a move, the, the Lord might actually be trying to give them a check in their spirit and say, don't do that. Go, don't go that direction. Don't take that job. Don't marry that person. Don't go and live in that, in that city. He could be trying to give them a check in their spirit and alternate direction. 
but their spirit has been suppressed by their strong carnal flesh and they don't hear the voice of the Lord. It's not that God's not speaking. It's that they're not hearing. And that's why I say this. One of the biggest prayers that we've got to be praying on a constant basis is, Lord, show me which way to go. Show me what I'm to do. Now, I don't get goofy with it. There's people that go so overboard. I've heard people, I wake up in the morning, I stand in front of my closet, and I say, Lord, speak to me what to wear today. It's like, take it easy. Take it easy. But I'm talking about, why would you make any major decision in life without asking the Lord? Why would you choose who to marry? Why would you choose your career path? Why would you choose where to go to college? Why would you choose where to live? Why would you choose which house to buy? Why would you choose any of these major life decisions without consulting the Holy Ghost? He has a plan for your life. Why would we not ask him about his plan? He'll tell us. He will tell us. He'll give us divine direction. And you know what'll happen? It'll save you heartbreak. It'll save you time. It'll save you money. It'll save you struggle. There's so many things you'd never have to deal with if you simply obeyed the voice of the Holy Spirit. Because when we obey his voice, he takes us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Notice how David started that psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake, right? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. Why? For thou art with me. How did you get to that place? Because he's leading me. That means the shepherd leads the sheep. So if you're not being led, that means you're going on your own path, which means you're responsible for all your own stuff. But when he leads you, when he takes you, right, then what do you, what do you experience? His provision, his peace, his protection, right? That's all coming from being led by the Spirit. So I'm, I tell believers all the time, if I had one thing to teach uh, young believers, it's not just a hunger for God, but a desire to be led by his Holy Spirit. A desire, I tell people this all the time. It's true with everything we've done in ministry. I don't want to do anything, not anything, that the Lord didn't ask us to do. Because I have no desire to be the one trying to make it all happen. I have no desire to be the one that's trying to push my own way in the door. No, no. When God does it, he opens the doors. He straightens the path. He brings the provision. And I'm just along for the ride. Hallelujah. And that's why I told you. There's people that have asked me for years. You think you'll ever pastor? You think you'll ever pastor? You think you'll ever pastor? Well, I never said no. You know what I said? I'll do whatever the Lord wants me to do. That's the answer you give. I'll do whatever the Lord wants me to do. What if the Lord gave you a new instruction? You gotta be able to obey it. That's why we don't tell our kids, when you grow up, you can be anything you wanna be. No, we tell them, when you grow up, you gotta be what God called you to be. And that's the same with what I I say. I don't tell people, I'm not doing this. I'll never do this. I'll never go there. I'll never live here. No, no, I just say, I'll do whatever the Lord wants me to do. Why? Because I am his servant. You are his servant. So watch this now. A servant doesn't tell the master what the master's gonna do. The master tells the servant what the servant's gonna do. 
I don't tell the Lord, now, Lord, I'm going to do this, this, and this, and I want you to get on my plans this year. I don't do that. I don't get into prayer and say, now, God, I've got these three things uh, really planned out, and I want you to put your hand of blessing on the, no, no. I say, Lord, what do you want for 2023? What are you going to do? What is it that you, where do you want me to go? How do you want me to function? What do you want me to have in 2023? And then I obey his instruction and I don't have to pray for his hand to be on it because it's his plan. If it's his plan, his hand's already on it because he formed it. He initiated it. He's the one guiding it. And that means he's supplying it. He's protecting it. And he's the one that's going to bring it to pass. And at the end, we'll just say, it's the Lord's doing. And it's marvelous in our eyes. Glory to God. It's marvelous in our eyes. That's the prayer for direction. And when we get that clear direction, whoo, glory to God. When we get that clear direction, it brings us into overwhelming blessing. Amen. That's number four. Number one, repentance. Number two, consecration. Number three, the prayer of faith. Number four, the prayer for direction. Number five, the prayer of intercession. The prayer of intercession. Get that one in your spirit. Sometimes we're interceding on behalf of others. We're interceding on behalf of others, praying for others. Sometimes the Lord will wake you up, you'll start praying, and you don't even know what you're praying for. The Bible says the Spirit helps us when we don't know how to pray as we ought to pray. Again, Romans chapter 8. We pray, though we don't know how we ought to pray, the Spirit helps us. Right? With what? Groanings that cannot be uttered. So there's a prayer of intercession. That's when we pray on behalf of others. We're getting ready to set up teams that are going to pray for Miracle Word Church. And we're going to ask them. And I've, uh, I've got people in my heart and my spirit, they're going to lead those teams that will be intercessory teams for this church, for this ministry, that are going to specifically take the time to pray for this vision that God's given us, to pray for all those attached to us. And we're going to stick. Why? It's biblical that we pray. We can pray on behalf of others. Glory to God. Pray on behalf of others. There's others that need our prayer. I'm going to show you a couple of things. Uh, Luke chapter 22. Go there with me. The Gospel of Luke chapter 22. It's the prayer of intercession. Yes, that's it. The Holy Spirit helps us, Tracy. Holy Spirit helps us. Luke 22. And I want to show you. Do you know that Jesus was engaging in the prayer of intercession for Peter. Jesus was engaging in the prayer of intercession for Peter. Let me read to you. These are Jesus' words, by the way, in Luke 22, 31 and 32. Listen to this. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. Glory to God. 
and when you've turned again, strengthen your brothers. Glory to God. Strengthen your brothers. And he said, Peter said to him, Lord, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. See, Jesus knew Peter wasn't fully ready yet. Jesus knew that. He wasn't fully ready yet to go to prison and to death. In fact, we see later Peter's fear stepping up. But I believe that Jesus' prayers saved Peter from fully walking away from his purpose. Jesus' prayers. What did he say? I said, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. But I've prayed for you, Peter, that your faith will not fail. And when you've turned again, strengthen your brothers. Well, you know what Jesus said to Peter. He said, You're, you are Peter, and upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And Peter comes back stronger than ever. What caused him to be stronger than ever? Being baptized in the power of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. He said, I pray that your faith... Well, Jesus wasn't praying for himself. He was praying for somebody else. He was praying for somebody else. Do you know that you can pray even for your nation. You can pray even for your nation. Well, I'm sure you've read this before. Second Chronicles chapter seven, and I'll read to you verses uh, 12 through 15. Second Chronicles seven, verses 12 through 15. Then the Lord appeared to Solomon in the night and said to him, I've heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. When I shut up the heavens so that there's no rain or command the locusts to devour the land or send pestilence among my people, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, they'll all hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayer that is made in this place. So watch this. There might even be other people like there were later on living in the land. But notice when they humbled themselves and prayed and repented and sought God's face that God turned and literally healed their land, which would what? Even affect other people that are living in their land. Hallelujah. So when our, now we're, we're in a new covenant. We're in the new, we're in the new Testament church. We're in the body of Christ. When we pray, when we begin to intercede for our nation, right? Abraham was doing it. I think the Lord was trying to teach him a lesson with Sodom and Gomorrah. He said, Lord, what if I find this many righteous? Would you spare them? I mean, he's interceding with God. Spare the cities, spare the cities. Lord, what about this many righteous? He said, yeah, if you can find that many, I'll spare it. God already knew how many righteous people were in the cities. And he said, yeah, yeah, if you find that many, I'll spare it. He already knew. He was trying to work with Abraham and show him. No, they ain't, they ain't even there. But we live in under a new covenant now. New covenant based on a better promise. Better promise. It's a better covenant. And so we pray. Do you know the, we're the salt? I'm going to help you with something. We're the salt of the earth. The salt of the earth. One of the things that's so powerful about that revelation is that back then with no refrigeration technology, salt was heavily used to cure meat. What happens when you cure meat? When you cure it, it actually heavily slows down the decaying process, the rotting process, right? Uh, they used to have to keep it and take it on trips. You know, people have done for years, even in America, we've had people that have done it. 
uh, those that were in the wilderness, those that were pioneers, those that went out west, salt pork and salt beef, salted beef, salted pork. What is that? What's the reason? What's the salt there for? To slow the decay so that the meat doesn't just go bad overnight. It, you can cure it so that it slows the decay of the meat. Notice that once we're out of here, this world is going to quickly decay in a short period of time and go into a one-world antichrist system. Why has it not been able to do that now? Because the salt of the earth is here. We are severely slowing the decay and the rot of this earth. I know sometimes you look around, it doesn't seem like it, doesn't feel like it, but we are. We absolutely are. And when the restrainer is moved out of the way, then I'm going to tell you, this world's going to go to nothing very quickly, very quickly until Christ's second coming. But let me tell you, if we're the salt of the earth and we have the power of prayer, then we have the ability with our dominion in Christ to stand up and declare that this, the devil's not going to have my generation. The devil's not going to have my neighborhood, my state, my city. The devil is not going to have my children. He's not going to have my loved ones. And we pray and we intercede for our nation and we intercede for our uh, state and our city, our town, our public schools and our friends and our children and our grandchildren. And we're praying not for ourselves on behalf of somebody else. God will answer those prayers. The power of intercession. Somebody prayed for you. Somebody prayed for you somewhere along the way. Somebody was asking God to bless you, keep you, protect you somewhere along the way. I'm alive today because somebody was praying for me. I'm alive today because somebody was praying for me. I can tell you on one occasion, my father was praying for me. And he's prayed for me, obviously, on more than one occasion. But I'm talking about in a time I should have been dead, if you don't know the story. I was in Bible school, and I was working a, a third shift job from 11 p.m. till 8 in the morning. And uh, I had had friends come into town, and like a stupid 19-year-old, I had just stayed up all day long. For, and I was on my way to work, having been awake for like 26 or 27 hours straight. I've been up for 26 or 27 hours, headed to an eight-hour shift, like an idiot. And I, as I'm driving down the main road in Tulsa, Oklahoma, I fell asleep at the wheel. Fell asleep. And I swerved through two lanes of oncoming traffic, went into a restaurant parking lot, missed every car, didn't hit one parked car, didn't hit one pedestrian. I woke up going over the end of that parking thing at the end of the parking uh, space and it woke me up. My car went over that cement block and I'm just, I didn't even have a seatbelt on. Not even a seatbelt. That was that foolish. Could have hit a telephone pole, could have hit a parked car, could have hit oncoming traffic, could have hit a pedestrian. Didn't hit one thing and ended up in the middle of a, 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 an empty warehouse parking lot. Just sitting there, totally not a mark on me, not a scratch. I called my father, told him what had just happened. He said, that's interesting. Earlier today, I had a vision. It was like it flashed. I had a vision of you getting into a car accident. He said, when I, when I had that vision, I just started to pray. I just started to pray. And he said, I prayed until I felt the release in my spirit. Some of the old time saints used to call that praying through, praying through. Pray till you feel the release in your spirit. He said, I prayed till I felt the release in my spirit and then I stopped praying. And I'm telling you, I believe that those prayers of intercession 
released angels that protected me on that night when I could have easily have been dead. But the Lord preserved me on that night by the prayer of intercession. You can pray for somebody else. You can pray for your children and grandchildren and loved ones. Ask God to answer your prayer. We need to pray the prayer of intercession. Hallelujah. Number six, spirit prayer. Praying in the Holy Ghost. Put that down. Prayer in the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Praying in the Holy Ghost. I'm talking about praying in tongues, which I thoroughly believe in. Praying in tongues. A couple of things happen when you do that. Uh, and of course, there's many things that happen. Uh, we, we once did a broadcast listing 10 different things that take place when you pray in the Spirit. But I'll just touch on two of those right now. Number one, well, actually three. I'll give you three of them. Number one, you encourage yourself in the Lord. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, the Bible says, one who prays in an unknown tongue edifies himself or builds up himself or encourages himself. I'm sure you've had that experience before if you've prayed in the Holy Spirit. You encourage yourself. You edify or build yourself up. That's one of the benefits of praying in tongues. Number two, Jude verse 20 tells us that when we pray uh, in the Holy Spirit, we're building ourselves up on our most holy faith or in our most holy faith. So preparing your faith for action, preparing your faith to work. But here's something that I don't, have you ever thought of this? What a benefit this is. Because you're praying by the Spirit, meaning the Spirit is praying through you. Did you ever think about the fact that when you pray in the Holy Spirit, you are praying the perfect will of God? Glory to God. You ever think about that? When you're praying in the Spirit, you are praying the perfect will of God. Nothing's off. Nothing's wrong. Nothing's in your flesh. When you pray in the Spirit, that's not your, that's not your language. That's the Holy Spirit's heavenly language that He's given you as a gift. And when you use it, you're praying the perfect will of God. We need to pray in the Spirit in 2023 more than we ever have more than we ever have, especially to be encouraged, especially to build up our faith, especially to pray the will of God over our lives. Who knows? Who knows? Maybe, like Romans chapter 8 says, when we don't know how to pray as we ought to, the Holy Spirit helps us. Maybe when we pray in the Spirit, and I would say not maybe, but I'm sure it's the case, that when we pray in the Spirit, we're praying for things that the Holy Spirit wants to be done in the earth that we didn't even know about, that we didn't even know about. I remember hearing a story about the powerful missionary evangelist, uh, Dr. Lester Sumrall, in his early years when he was traveling with Dr. Howard Carter around the world. And later he came back and was talking to uh, a husband and wife that he knew staying in their home. And uh, she said, Dr. Sumrall, let me ask you a question. She was going through her prayer journal. She said, there was a time that we just felt an urgency to pray for you. We didn't know why we felt an urgency to pray, pray for you. And she opened up her journal and found the entry. It was on this day, Dr. Summerall, we felt the urgency to pray for you heavily. He opened up his travel journal and he looked back at that date. He said, oh, he said that day, 
He said, I, I, I thought I was going to die. Something had hit him in a foreign country. I don't know if he had drank bad water or what it was, but he felt like he was going to die, laid up in the bush, and he felt like it was over. No one knew. I mean, this was back at the turn of the last century. There was no cell phones or fax machines or email, none of that. And he said, I thought I was going to die, and then the Lord touched him. She didn't know any of that. They didn't know he was going through it. They didn't know that he had an attack against his body. But see, the Holy Spirit spoke to them. Pray for Dr. Sumrall. Pray for Dr. Sumrall. Well, if the Lord can do that, how, wh what about those that you may not even know who it is? What if there was somebody, a missionary or somebody doing the work of the Lord in another nation that needed the prayers of the church? The Holy Spirit can lead you. And praying in the Spirit will help you to do that. Let me give you two more before we pray. Number, uh, this will be number seven, the prayer of agreement. The prayer of agreement. I want you to go with me to Matthew chapter 18 and uh, an interesting passage, Matthew 18, because when you study the context of Matthew 18, uh, one of the things you, you find that's interesting is that they're asking about, and Jesus is teaching about, even how to deal with um, correction in a church government or church body setting. Those that are sinning against their brothers or sisters in Christ. Those that are uh, bringing an offense or, or those that are uh, opposing one another. And Jesus uh, starts by saying in this section, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you've gained your brother back. But if he doesn't listen... Bring two or three uh, others along with you so that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses, right? And then if he refuses to listen even to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses even to listen to the church, let him be as a Gentile and a tax collector. People don't understand that passage when they, you hear the Bible talking about a tax collector. Well, let me give you a little, why Jesus is saying that, a little background. Did you know at that time, Jerusalem was under Roman occupation, right? The, the Roman soldiers, yes, it's, it's live, Shawnee. Uh, the Roman soldiers were, in, were living in and, and uh, stationed in Jerusalem, and they were charging taxes uh, of the Jews uh, under that Roman control. But what they would do is they would get Jews to turn on their brothers and sisters who were also Jews to become tax collectors, and they were notorious for overtaxing the Jews. And they were looked at as the worst traitors to the Jews that there could be. So when Jesus says, treat him like, um, treat him like a tax collect collector or a Gentile, someone that doesn't have covenant with you, and somebody that is the lowest form of a traitor, if they won't listen to you, they won't listen to the witnesses, and they won't listen to the church and won't receive any correction, then treat them like someone that's out of covenant, someone that is the worst and lowest form of a traitor. That's what Jesus is saying. Then you keep going. Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Now look, look how he phrases verse 19 though. Again I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, anything. So not just about church government, not just about correction within the body, but Jesus goes beyond that and says, if two of you agree on earth um, 
about anything they ask. It will be done for them by my Father in heaven. And then he points to the future when he'll not be with them bodily anymore and says, for where two or three are gathered in my name, I'm among them. Well, he's not always going to be physically among them, but of course they'd remember his words later on, shortly later on, when he's crucified, resurrected, and then ascended into heaven, right? But notice how he changes the verbiage there. If two of you agree on earth regarding anything, right, about anything they ask, it'll be done for them. Of course, it has to line up with God's word. God doesn't do things outside of his covenant or his own word. But notice, there's a prayer of agreement. You see this all through the, even the book of Acts, right? Peter gets arrested. What does the church do? Comes together in a house, starts praying in agreement. Starts praying in agreement. What happens when they're praying in agreement? God sends an angel from heaven and breaks Peter out of jail. The prayer of agreement is powerful. God loves unity. God loves unity. When we come together as the body of Christ and we pray in unity, in agreement, Jesus said if you pray and they agree, even two agree on anything they ask, it'll be done for them by my Father which is in heaven. It's good to have some like-minded, and that's what I love about the Victory Tribe. We're like-minded believers coming together and agreeing and believing that this is going to be a year of transformation. The things are quickly turning around. Breakthroughs are quickly coming in Jesus' name. And let me give you the last one, the prayer of supplication. That's number eight. The prayer of supplication. You say, what's, what is supplication? That's making a request. That's making a request. That's all that is. Asking God for something. You know, when you say prayer, that's what most people think of when you hear someone talk about prayer. Oh, you, what were you asking God for, right? What were you asking God for? Because most people, when they think prayer, they think the prayer of supplication. I need God to do this for me. I'm going to ask God for this. But that's only one type of prayer. But I want to show you that Philippians chapter 4. It definitely is a valid type of prayer. And God wants to answer these prayers and do what you're asking him for. He, it makes him happy to answer your prayers. He loves his children and wants to answer their prayers. Listen to this. The Bible says, verse 6, Philippians 4, 6, and I'll even read 7. Do not be anxious about anything. So don't be fearful. But in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests, there it is, requests be made known unto God. That's why I don't believe in unspoken prayer requests. Hey, I have an unspoken request. How can I agree with you in prayer? How can I even pray for you? What scriptures do you stand on for an unspoken prayer request? I don't even know what scriptures to use. I don't know how to pray. I don't know any of that. I don't know any of that. That's why they said, let your request be made known. Paul said that to the Philippians. Let your request be made known. I'm not too embarrassed to let you know I've got some needs. And if I got people believing with me, I'm not going to give them some vague thing. Hey, I need you to stand with me. I've just got some things. He was like, no, what are you believing for? When I, if I give my prayer request to somebody that I know stands with me in faith, I let them know exactly what I'm believing for exactly what I'm believing for. We don't, we don't beat around the bush. But notice this, 
Do, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. Notice we're not using the thanksgiving only when our prayers are answered, but notice what Paul wrote, that in the time of asking, that's something we ought to get, that's faith. In the time of asking, with prayer, with supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. You know what that means? You start thanking him before anything even manifests. That's faith. Faith begins to thank God even before the manifestation comes. We've got prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. So I'll ask him and then I'll thank him it's done. You say, why would you thank him it's done before it's done? Because it is done when we pray. You say, what do you mean it is done when we pray? That's what uh, Jesus taught his disciples in Mark chapter 11. Do you remember? What did he say? Let me read it to you. Mark 11, um, verse 24. Mark 11, 24. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it'll be yours. You see that? Whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have, 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 not will, have received it and it will be yours. You know what that means? Everything with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Why am I thanking him now? Instead of then, because I believe that I receive when I pray. I believe I receive when I pray. What does God do? He calls things that are not as though they were. You know what that means? That when I pray, though my natural eyes may not see it, in the spirit, it's already done. In the spirit, it's already done. That's it, Shawnee. We shout now. We don't shout later. Anybody can shout later. Believers, those with the spirit of faith, shout now. We shout when we pray, not when we get. Hallelujah. We shout when we pray, not when we get, because it's done. We believe we have received it. And so when you begin to ask God for things, get this in your heart. When you begin to ask God for things, ask him, and, and I, I mean be specific, be as specific as you can be. Be as specific as you can be. I'll share this story with you because I know this is helping people tonight. Dr. Young E. Cho that had the largest church in the world, uh, Yoido Full Gospel Church, Seoul, Korea, uh, over a million members, a million members. When he was just an early on pastor, none of that had happened yet. He was believing, very poor, and he was believing God for some blessings as a pastor. He wanted three things. He wanted a desk, he wanted a bike, and he wanted a chair for his desk. Three things, a desk, a chair, and a bike. And he was praying for those things and praying for those things. And he, they weren't coming to pass. And he said, Lord, what's the story? Why are my prayers not being answered? And you know what the Lord spoke to him? He said, they're not being answered because you've not asked me specifically. He said, what kind of a desk do you want? What kind of a chair? What kind of a bike do you want? And so he began to say, I want a mahogany desk. He got specific with it. Lord, I want a mahogany desk. I want a chair. This was his words. He said, I want a chair that's got wheels on the bottom so I can roll around my office like a big shot. That's what he, that's what he said to the Lord. He wrote it in his book. I want a, a mahogany desk and a chair with wheels 
so I can roll around my office like a big shot. And he said for the, the bicycle, he said at the time, he knew that American-made bicycles were the best that you could get your hands on. He said, so Lord, I want an American-made bicycle. I want an American-made bicycle. And he started telling people, I'm going to have a mahogany desk. I'm going to have a chair with wheels. I'm going to have a bicycle, an American-made bicycle. And young men in the town would come by and look in his office, and it would be empty. And he said, where's your, where's your um, d- desk and your chair and your bike? Where are they? And he would point to his uh, stomach. He said, I'm pregnant. I'm pregnant with those things. And the little boys in his town would laugh, and they'd run up when they saw him, and they'd rub his belly. And they'd rub his belly because he said, I'm pregnant with those things by faith. By faith, I'm going to have them. And he got a call from a missionary who had come in and said, Dr. Cho, there are some things here uh, that have come in on the ship that I think that you may, we, you may be able to use them for your ministry. He said, well, what is it? He said, well, we've got a desk here. It's a mahogany desk. I think you'd like to have it. He said, we have a, a chair to go with it. It's got wheels on the bottom. And he said, there's a bicycle that's been sent over. It's an American-made bicycle. And when he got specific with his prayer, and we got specific with his supplication. God answered his prayer. Don't be vague about what you ask God for. Be very specific about what you're asking the Lord for. I'll tell you, when Brother Hagin was alive, he pastored early on in his ministry, and he said he did a poll uh, when he was pastoring churches because at the end of the service, he'd have everybody come around the altar and they'd begin to pray. And he said, you know, I'm going to start doing a poll and find out what people are praying for. And so he said, I'd come down off the platform and I'd walk through the crowd at the altar and I would just stop people. And I'd say, what are you praying for? What are you praying for? And he said, nine times out of 10, people would say, what what do you mean? He said, what are you praying about? What are you praying for? And they'd say, I don't know, I'm just praying. I don't know, I'm just praying. I don't know, I'm just praying. And he said, and I even understand that some prayer is just fellowshipping with the Lord. He said, but they didn't even know if they were doing that. They didn't even know if they were doing that. And he said, it blew my mind to find nine out of 10 people that he pulled in his churches when he'd ask them, they didn't know what they were praying for. And then he made this point. If you don't know what you're praying for, how would you ever know if God answered your prayers? which is a great point. If you don't know what you're praying for, how would you ever know if God answered your prayers? Know what you're praying for and then pray specifically. Ask God specifically for what you want. Ask God specifically for what you want. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And God is a God who answers prayers. Hallelujah. He's a God who answers prayers. So number eight, the prayer of supplication or making your request to God. I'm going to take time at the end of this broadcast and pray with every one of you that are watching because we're believing with you. We're standing with you on this 13th day of the fast, believing for breakthroughs, believing for miracles. So I want you to join your faith with me. If you're filled with the Holy Spirit, pray in the Holy Ghost. If you are not, begin to pray in your known language and let's believe God. But I want to start by praying this because we're asking God, again, prayer of consecration, asking God to do more in us and through us in this upcoming year than has ever been done through us for the kingdom in our lives. We're asking God, we'll start with John 15, 5, to produce more fruit through us. 
as vines that are, or branches that are connected to the vine than we've ever produced. We will produce more fruit in 2023 than we've ever produced for the kingdom. So Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus Christ and we thank you that in 2023, you will use us by your power to produce more fruit for your kingdom than we ever have in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, that we will be efficient and effective and impactful in our generation by the power of the Holy Ghost. Lord, anything that creeps in to our lives or minds that would try to hinder us from producing fruit for your kingdom, we call it to the forefront now and we command it to leave our lives in the name of Jesus Christ. Everything that would try to make us wither on the vine has to uproot and leave our hearts, uproot and leave our lives in the name of Jesus. We will be faithful to your word. We'll obey what you told us to do. We'll obey what your word says and we will obey the leading of your Holy Spirit in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. We thank you for that, Lord. Use us mightily this year. I pray, Lord, that whatever we put our hand to in the kingdom, whether we're volunteering in our local church, whether we're teaching and preaching, whether we're spreading the gospel at work, marketplace evangelism, whatever it is that we're doing for you, I pray that fruit would abound. And your word declares in John 15, that when our fruit abounds, it brings great glory to the Father. And so, Father, we thank you that you will receive glory this year for the fruit that we will produce in the kingdom of God in Jesus' mighty name. We give you praise for that and glory for it in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you that our righteousness and our dedication will never be weakened downsized or withered because of our righteous dedication. We will never be weakened, downsized or withered in any area of life in Jesus name. For your word declares that the righteous, Psalm 1-3, those who are righteous, they are like trees planted by streams of water. And we thank you, Lord, that it means we have, we draw fresh sustenance from you every day. We draw from the strength of the spirit every single day day. We thank you that your word declares we will bear fruit in every season and that our leaves will never wither and we will prosper in all we do in Jesus name. So we thank you again that because of our righteous dedication to the kingdom, we will never be weakened, downsized or withered in the wonderful name of Jesus. We thank you that everything we set our hand to by obedience it will prosper because of our righteous dedication in the name of Jesus Christ. Everything we do in our businesses, in our ministries, in our families, it will prosper in 2023 in the name of Jesus Christ. We thank you that you are protecting your church, your people and your properties from the aggression of those that go out to destroy in Jesus' name. We thank you that though there might be those with uh, evil intent, like those that attacked my friend's church building in Seattle, Washington. I rebuke those types of harassment in the name of Jesus. Go out ahead of us, Lord, and protect us. Protect not only our people, but our properties from aggression and those that would seek to destroy the church of God and the people of God. I take authority over it. Those in other nations that are standing against the people of God. Those even maybe that are 
walking as enemies of the faith, enemies of God, those that have uh, serious aggression towards Christianity from other religions. We declare in Jesus' name that every weapon they form will not prosper by the power of the Holy Ghost. Those that desire to kill Christians, even in other nations, we take authority over that in Jesus' name. Lord, we ask you, protect their lives, protect their families, protect their churches, protect their ministries, the work that they're doing for you. Protect them, Lord. Send angels to surround them in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, I ask you, Lord, you did it in the creation of the earth, that you divided the night from the day, the darkness from the light. I pray that you would even do that spiritually, Lord, that you would divide the light from the darkness and expose any activity of the enemy in our churches and ministries, homes and lives. Lord, every wicked thing that has come in to stand against your plan on the earth, expose it and remove it by the power of your Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Lord, just like when the Apostle Paul began to make that fire on the island of Malta and the heat grew stronger and stronger as they threw wood on the fire and it caused that venomous serpent to be revealed and it jumped out from its hiding place. We thank you, Lord, as the revival fires blow through the nations of the world, as the power of the Holy Ghost manifests in our people and in our churches, every wicked thing will be exposed and revealed by the power of your spirit. But then we thank you, Lord, that as Paul shook that snake off into the fire, the same heat and fire that exposed that evil thing also disposed of that evil thing. And so, Lord, we thank you that the same fire of the Holy Spirit, the same power of your word that is exposing and uncovering every corrupt thing that stands against the people of God, not only will it be exposed, it will be disposed of in Jesus' name. It will move quickly. We ask you to quickly arise and let your enemies be scattered in the mighty name of Jesus. Let God arise and every enemy be scattered in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. Lord, we ask you this year to open the doors for the gospel to be preached in unreached nations and regions of the earth. In Jesus' name, your word declares that the gospel will be preached to the ends of the earth and then the end will come. So Lord, make a way where there was no previous way, even areas that were totally shut down to the gospel. I pray in Jesus' name that you would open those doors, make a way for the gospel to go forth to those that have never heard it before, Lord, to those that need to be regenerated by the power of the Holy Spirit. Bring salvation to those areas through your faithful servants in Jesus' wonderful name. We thank you. We thank you and give you praise for that in Jesus' name. Strengthen us, Lord, to complete our race. We thank you that we will not be overtaken by any sudden death in the mighty name of Jesus Christ for your watching over us. We'll be able to declare that we have run our race. We have finished our course in the name of Jesus Christ. And we thank you that there's not one enemy that can bring our life to a quick end. There's no enemy that can cut our lives short in Jesus' name. For your hand of protection is on us. We will run our race. We will finish our course 
in Jesus' name. We thank you that you're keeping every one of your children in perfect purity and empowering them to forsake every temptation of the devil in the mighty name of Jesus. I ask you, according to Psalm 34 and verse 19, that you would put an end to every problem that previously harassed us this year in Jesus' name. For your word declares, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. And so, Lord, we're asking you, put an end to every one of our problems this year in Jesus' name. Whatever stood against our family, and maybe it was for generations, we're asking you now, let every harassment end quickly. Let every problem end quickly. Let every obstacle be moved quickly in Jesus' mighty name. We thank you now that your mercies are new every morning in our lives. Your word declares in Lamentations chapter 3 that your mercies are new every morning and your faithfulness is great. So we thank you, Lord. When we wake up tomorrow, new mercies will be available to us by the power of your Holy Ghost. We thank you, Lord, that you're keeping every one of us in perfect peace because our minds are stayed upon you. Depression can't touch us. Anxiety can't touch us. Fear can't touch us. We live in perfect peace in Jesus' wonderful name. We thank you. We thank you for it. And finally, Lord, tonight, we thank you that your glory is manifesting all over the earth. We thank you that your glory is manifesting all over the earth in Jesus' mighty name. We give you praise. We give you honor and glory for that. We give you praise even though we, maybe we've not even seen the answers yet. We thank you that they're already coming to pass. We thank you you're working behind the scenes and bringing all things to pass. You spoke it. You will do it. You will bring it to pass. And so we lift our hands and say, thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Thank you for your mercies. Thank you for your loving kindness. Thank you for your power. Thank you for your glory in Jesus' name. Thank you for your mighty acts of greatness. We give you praise in Jesus' wonderful name. If you believe it tonight, somebody shout aloud, amen. Give, give God praise. Even in the comments, put up some hands, some amens, some fire. If you stand with me, you believe it. We call it done in Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.